Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined by Stu. Hello. And by Tom. Hi. It's all three of us again. Um, enjoy it while it lasts, because I know there's a bunch of holidays and stuff coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's definitely and- one where both of us are away in a couple of weeks. So that's yeah, good luck with that, Tom. Fun episode for Tom to record. There's one, there's one where none of us are here, so that should be a fun episode. <laughs> we'll just like hand, hand the reins to the Discord for a week and see what happens. Yeah, just draw, we'll draw lots get... on three people from the Discord patrons and then they can do an episode amongst themselves. I mean, we'll they're literally get... already offering to do it. Yeah. Uh, we're... <laughs> that sounds like a great way to get thrown off Spotify, but <laughs> there we go. Um, it's race week again. We've done it. We've got through the summer break. Yay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so it. thrilled. Belgian Grand Prix Can't... is coming up. Um, Bunch of Grand Prix that I'm going to miss. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> But we've got some news in the meantime, some quite big news, actually. After what feels like years of talking about it, we finally have the 2026 power unit regulations approved by the World Motorsport Council. Um, So I guess I'll just like run through the headline changes and we can talk about them as we go. So the internal combustion engine part staying as the 1.6 litre V6 we've currently got, um, still turbocharged. I mean, it's, it seems to be what car manufacturers want to make sense to leave that bit as is, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that manufacturers have also wanted is the MGU-H is being removed entirely. So that's the heat energy recovery part, which... Yeah, so that's the, the spinny boy attached to the turbo that generates electricity and spins yeah. up the turbo in advance to to get act as your anti-lag, yeah. essentially. The thing that always breaks... Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it's historically, I think, the thing that's broken the most over the... Very, very, very difficult. Well, it's it's a very, um, it's in a very hot environment and yeah. it generates heat also itself when it's spinning up because of the friction and stuff, because they're really, really complex, really, really high sort of high, high RPM devices. Yeah, a lot of stress um, on them. Loads and loads and loads of stress, yeah, which is why Honda's engine was... Honda tried to cough... So Mercedes did the the thing where they did the long um spindle down the mid down the yeah. center of the v um with the first thing to it which is what how they got how they became like the the dominant force in in this engine formula and honda tries to do it and couldn't crack it and then eventually i think did crack it which is why they're now good but yeah it's very 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 complex piece of equipment um it does beg the question is turbo lag going to become a thing again and is finding ways around turbo lag going to become the new thing that separates the engine manufacturers? Mm, probably not, because the they've got motor generator unit. Uh, they've got the um, yeah yeah they've got the electric motors on them still, so you can yeah. use that to counteract your. Tur- that'll that'll make up for the lack of boost, and yeah. also they'll have like they're quite small turbos. And they're yeah, only they're 1.6 really engines. So yes, like they're, you know, they're very, very high power, but because the compression is quite low on them, then the lag won't be that bad. Think of it as like a, a turbo on like a mini. If you like. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's a, it's a bit bigger than that, but like the turbo on the mini Cooper S has barely any lag. And as soon as you get to 3000 RPM, yeah. which you never get that low in a formula one car anyway, we... then it, then it's, then you're fine. Are these twin turbo or single? Single. single turbo, single turbo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So t- turbo lag is much worse on with much, much, much bigger turbos, and when you've got the supplementary power from the motor generator unit and from the battery um, all mm-hmm. working together, then you're going to get a lot of sort of like speed up from that anyway. So yeah, I don't think yeah. I can't see turbo lag being a huge thing, but it could. I mean, it, you know, you never know. You never know with these things, but. Uh, these guys are pretty good. They've got their yeah. head around turbo engines by this point, so I think they'll be fine. Um, and boy, will there be a lot of supplementary electrical power to make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the MGUK is staying. Um, it's going to be using some standard components. I've not said exactly what yet, but it's not going to be completely built from the ground up by the teams. There will be some standard components. And instead of it being sort of part of the whole power unit, there's going to be a safety shell within the chassis that contains the MGUK and the batteries, which good thing, I think. Good for safety. Um, Why have they not got that already? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. 
And then the MG UK itself, the power is increasing by almost three times what we currently have from the 120 kilowatts, which is about 160 brake horsepower we currently have, as Martin Brundle likes to say, will push your family car along very nicely indeed, <laughs> up to 350 kilowatts or 470 brake horsepower, which will push your family car along extremely quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the... That said, the total horsepower is still going to be ballpark over a thousand horsepower, but at the moment it's about seventy-five percent of that comes from combustion engine, twenty-five percent from the electrical systems. They think it's going to be closer to a fifty-fifty split with the twenty twenty-six engines, yeah. but still for so, a total of a similar, if not higher, horsepower. So just to quantify that for people who don't understand the numbers on horsepower, it's like going from a probably like a mini cooper s ish again and um uh 470 horsepower is around uh nissan the new nissan z actually is is about around that so it's a it's a big jump it's like a huge yeah that's a very um, powerful car or a like a bmw of, m3 it's that kind yeah. of level of yeah. of power there's a couple of v12 aston martins as well that are coming up as 470 the polestar 2 electric yeah. car is also about 470 so it's a lot yeah. of power. Yeah, very. But it's, yeah. It's, it's like having a, it's, it's more than a, um, a a World Rally Championship car, just from the MG, just from the um, motor generator units on their own. Yeah. So a, World, a WRC yeah. car is only about 350 horsepower, I think. In fact, the Gen 2 Formula E cars that are just going out were 335 horsepower. So it's okay. adding more than a Formula E car to the engines, basically. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's a fact. No, that's Yeah, cool. that's crazy. Um, the they the new generations that. are going to be over that, but yeah. A um, couple of other interesting things. The, they want to reduce the fuel flow rate from 100 kilograms an hour to 70 kilograms an hour, which is, they're saying that's a target. They've not 100% said that can do that. Yeah, I guess they're going to see if it's possible first. Um, they're also changing from E10 fuel to 100% lab-created sustainable fuel. Um, there's a lot of like fluff around the way they're making this sound as eco-friendly as possible. The, the general gist is the amount of carbon that is emitted by the engines using the fuel is going to be the same as the amount of carbon that goes into making the fuel. So it's going to be no more carbon dioxide will be added to the world, basically. So it's not like there's right. no emissions, but like it's like if you think of like regular petrol, the, the process of getting it, converting it and everything uses a lot of carbon. And then you put it in a car and it burns it and produces more carbon. So they are saying that what goes in will be equal to what comes out essentially. And that's how they're saying it's sustainable, which is that's total crap. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's absolute nonsense. If you're going to, you're going to use carbon to create the fuel in the first place. It's not going to turn to not carbon as they burn it. Is it? Well, no, they're saying that there's going to be no sort of loss in the process. Like, cause it, it, what, what goes into it is equal to what comes out of it. They're not using more as in, as in, you don't. You need to create carbon to make the fuel, and then create carbon by using it. There is only the limited amount of carbon during the creation process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that's, that's absolute it. nonsense. That's just absolute flimflam from for us. That's greenwashing, in it, and it's in its. It kind absolute, of is. Yeah, that's total greenwashing. I don't buy it. It's just that's just absolute. I mean, it depends what the footprint is on the production process, though. Because to go well, from saying... where they are currently to that is quite a big step, depending on what that footprint is. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, they're using E10 fuel, so they're going from 10% synthetic to 100% synthetic, which is yeah. quite a step up. So, yeah, I mean, there is a yeah, lot I just of think the way flim flam around some, it. but It's a very weird way of framing it, I think. <laughs> it but is. anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit and let it. It's not that interesting, so I'm not going to blame <laughs> it for that one. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And then the last detail is the cost cap's going to go up from the 95 million. The, the cost cap for power units, sorry, is 95 million at the moment. It's going to go up to 135 million for the new power units. Um, and then 
the dyno and test bench hours, which are really limited at the moment, they're going to massively boost them up for 2026 because obviously they'll develop in brand new engines and then kind of gradually bring them back down again, which also makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where we're at. That is what we're going to be racing with from 2026 to 20, like 31 or 32, I think it's supposed to run. To. Yeah. yeah I think the, the most interesting, the most interesting thing about it is probably the, the, the amount of electric power that they're adding to the, um, to the system is, yeah, is really cool. The idea of it being like as much as if not more than a current formula E car's yeah. worth of, power on top of a very powerful internal combustion combustion engine, a very efficient internal, can't speak, very efficient internal combustion engine with an efficient turbo and all that kind of stuff that, you know, they're still made with like quite exotic materials. So they're still generating like loads and loads of horsepower, these, these internal combustion engines. Mm -hmm. And then to add all that on top is just, yeah. I mean, it shows you like how far behind the battery technology is in Formula One for them to be able to make such a huge step, yeah. I think, and the yeah, motor definitely. technology as well. So um, I guess like a lot of the reason that they are the way they are currently is for so that they're more lightweight. So I expect the cars are going to get a bit, they're going to have to increase the weight limit yeah, which is... because the battery is going to need more, more, you're going to need more battery storage. You're going to need bigger motors to generate mm-hmm. this, this sort of power. So they're not yeah, going to get lighter. Absolutely, the worst thing about this is that the weight is just not going to come down, which is one of the biggest problems F1 cars have these days. Hopefully, they'll mm. make them smaller between now and then, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Um, obviously, the door is now open for Audi and Porsche to finally actually announce they are joining because this set of regulations is essentially what it seems like they've been asking for. So, yeah. expect Audi and Porsche announcements fairly soon, I would imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Another little interesting tidbit, um, Auto Motor und Sport, the German motorsport publication, uh, they reported that at least one possibly more additional manufacturer could sign up before the end of this year to enter with the new engine regulations and that the interesting parties are supposedly based in the USA and South Korea. Um, like South Korea mm. probably Kia. has to be Hyundai. Hyundai I mean, I'd love it to be Kia. Yeah. Kia yeah. would be rad if it was Kia. Kia F1 it won't be Kia, it'd be hilarious. Hyundai. Yeah. Although they're the same, they're basically the same company. They're basically anyway. the same they're, company, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, an American brand, though, like... Ganassi? But they said, they said specifically manufacturers, which kind of implies... Oh. Yeah, so... So that'd be like General Motors, then? Probably. I don't think they've yeah. got the budget for it. Like, I mean, they're a pretty huge car company, though. Like they, make, they are, but then, suppose, and the, the umbrella of General Motors is huge as well. I like suppose got, it could you know, be Chevy, Foxhall, Opel, Chevy. It's not going to be Dodge. They're not really big enough for it, and I don't think they really have the motorsport interest. I mean, it could be Ford. Could be Ford would be rad. Ford would be really cool. It would, it would be good be to have crazy. Ford back. To be fair. Eco oh, bo- Ford EcoBoost yeah. engines in Formula One would be so mm. funny. Get a Ford EcoBoost branded F1 car with the like blue, red, and green livery that the um, Ford GTs used to run. Yeah, I would be all yeah. about that. You know, I've been playing Gran Turismo, and I did the um, Indy track, uh, the Indy Indy 500 track, not Indy 500 track, but it's the Indianapolis um, infield circuit. Oh, yeah, street circuit. When you do, yeah, there. when you do the when you do the driving. When you do the driving test for it to, you know, to do the, the track familiarization kind of thing that they have in the game, you get the uh, the Ford GT. And so good. Honestly, it is so fun to drive that car. It's still one of my favorite cars in the world. Seeing that at Silverstone, when we went to watch um, WEC a few years ago. Just the loudest, obnoxious That's... sounding, crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy cool car. Ridiculous looking, just awesome looking vehicle. Yeah. That I think that might be like my, if I was to sort of get any car, that might actually be my dream car because there's so few of them that it'd just be so cool to yeah. have one. But anyway, I would get sidetracked a little bit. Um, it, it remains one of my favorite racing cars of all time, though. Yeah. Um, Ford, so Ford would be awesome to get. Ford to would get be amazing. Cody, well, Cody pointed out in the chat that GM filed for bankruptcy in 2009, but they have. Wes then said they did come back out of it in decent financial shape. So mm. who knows? 
Ford yeah. would be my guess, though. Yeah. I mean, mm. they're about to be in a multi-billion-dollar company, aren't they? Essentially, like, jeez, they're not. They're not. Yeah. I don't think they're. But as Ford bad as like they were once a t- once upon a time. Yeah, and Ford. I don't think it would be Ford because Ford don't really do much motorsporty things these days, and they're, and they're changing their entire fleet to all electric. So. They've pulled back a lot, haven't they, recently? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it makes sense for Ford. I don't know who it'd be though. It maybe I I, I think don't... it's if it, you, you say Korean engine manufacturer, so that means. Did you say that was that Korean engine manufacturer? Or just it was Korean a South Korean entry, I think. I don't think it was. Um... Yeah, just just a manufacturer manufacturer's interest from USA and South Korea. That's all they said. Oh, okay. Because it could be that like they've got you know race team on one side of the Atlantic and. Or Pacific, and um, yeah, one side of the Pacific, and oh right, as if it's engine one, team yeah. on the other side of the Pacific. So like, they might be combining mm. forces, kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're saying, or is it, is it just two separate interests from two? The way parts? I read it was that it was separate interests from different parties. Okay. But this was basically a single tweet from them, from their rumor mill. So that's all oh, okay. to go on, really. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 do tend to have their finger on the pulse, um, Amos. So you know, there's probably something to it. A um, couple of other things from the new technical regs that got announced. Um, so as well as the new measures we're going to get in Spa this weekend to help curb poor pricing, which I'm sure we'll talk about, there's some new things being added to, to the 2023 regs to help with it as well. So they want to have some new sensors in the floors so they can measure things better. Uh, stricter floor deflection tests around the central floor flexibility. Um, a redefinition of the stiffness requirements for the plank and the skids around the measurement holes, which if you're interested Again. in that, go back two or three episodes where Stu explained it in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also are going to raise the floor edges by 15 mil and raise the throw to the diffuser as well. So that's all changes for next year. Um, just the just one thing on that. The, the key thing to remember is that the, the plank and the floor are different things. Yes. And the plank is under the floor and close to the road, whereas the floor is, you know, the, the plank separates the floor from the road. Yes, exactly that. Uh, and then they also announced changes to the roll hoop regulations following um, Jogo News' horrible crash at Silverstone. Um, interestingly, the findings of the of that crash investigation said that technically the roll hoop didn't fail because it held up under the under what it was designed to do the problem was the forces involved were way beyond what it was designed to do yeah. um so yeah they're going to have far more stringent roll hoop tests um they're going to be have a new low test in a kind of forward direction rather than just um primarily on top as it is now i imagine um what can i just ask what happened to that roll did it just grind away or did it get snapped off I think it snapped sort of, away. It sort of or probably a bit of both actually. Part way through the crash, yeah. It was it was kind of there briefly when he first went upside down and that but then by the time he'd got to the corner like the edge of the track itself, it was gone. Yeah. Pretty much and it was the halo that was kind of holding the car off the track. Yeah. Good grief. Um, That's scary. um and then the other change they're gonna make is to um mandate that they have to be more rounded rather than the kind of blade shape that they currently are, which they are hoping will help stop them digging into the ground as much as they currently mm. are, which makes sense. Like, I mean, it's called a roll hoop. It should, the name should imply that yeah, it should a have a curve stick. to it. <laughs> not a roll, a roll stick. <laughs> a roll stick. A roll stick. Yeah, not that. Um... And then a last bit of sort of driver news, maybe, that's come out today. Um, so the, the exact wording of this is that Haas have accepted a request from Ferrari for Antonio Giovinazzi to do a couple of practice sessions for Haas this season. So he's going to be doing home race in Monza and then also Circuit of the Americas. Um, it's weird because Haas still have to run their to young drivers in FP1 sessions this season as dictated by the rules. But obviously, Giovinazzi doesn't even come close to counting as a young driver. So mm. Schumacher and Magnussen are going to have to now sit out four FP1s total in the remaining nine races between them. Two for Giovinazzi and then another two for young drivers. Um, Like the quotes are just like, Gunter Steiner said, we're happy to welcome him back. 
Um, Ferrari were keen to give Antonio some seat time in a current spec car on a race weekend, and we were happy to assist. And Giovinazzi said he's done a lot of similar driving, but it's good to get some seat time um, in a real car. Um, so as it's the best way to be ready if I were ever called as a reserve driver. But is it? <sighs> it what driving the Haas instead of the F1 instead of Ferrari? <laughs> it's it's weird, right? Like it We've feels got more like again to the end of the race in the Haas. <laughs> like is this true. is this like with the Schumacher seat negotiations like Haas and or Ferrari kind of lighting a fire under him or like flexing a little bit mm. I don't know it's weird it's a really weird one uh, I'd, I'd say Gio's like Ferrari ship sailed a long time ago yeah like, I don't see what so anyone other than him that. are gaining from this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- there's some sense to the idea of him driving a current spec Formula the one car, but not the Haas. Like, surely you'd put him in the Ferrari. If, you, if, 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 if there's a correlation issue for the driver, I, then you put them in the car they're, test- yeah. they're driving the simulator of, not another car. Unless the mm. unless they see the Haas being so similar to the Ferrari by the time they finish the upgrades, that it makes no difference. But weird, weird. I mean, I, I don't see Giovinazzi coming back unless yeah, unless no he's chance. got some money behind him and and Haas are a bit broke, maybe. But weird. Unless Haas genuinely think Schumacher's going to go off to Alpine and they're weighing yeah. up their options, maybe. But. Yeah. Keeping them, s- keeping a reserve. I'm still not sure I can see that happening. Mm. I think pigs will fly before Antonio Giovinazzi is driving a Formula One car next year. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I, say it right now. I agree. Uh, I and that's harsh, about it. But... About it for news. Um, yeah. So we can start talking about a race weekend. Yeah. Exciting. Do you want to do some storylines, Stu? Since I'm going to miss the race, I'll do some storylines because I can say what I want and it will be without consequence because I'm not on next week's episode. So <laughs> you're just like, will Latifi win? Peace, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Um, okay, first storyline for the week is the, is the new plank and floor tests. Um, how will they affect the run order, particularly at the front? Um, expectation from me, at least, is that um, it... Well, expectation, hope from me, is that it'll level the playing field a little bit at the front and it's going to catch out maybe some of the teams that have been sort of flexing their planks and their floors down the middle. Um, Not to be confused with flexible floors that everyone says Mercedes got. They're talking about the outer edge of the floor. I'm talking about the central line of the car flexing up and down along the sort of from front to back rather than from left to right. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with 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 the running order throughout mm-hmm. the field, not just at the front, I suppose, because that you know Red Bull are not the only team, Ferrari are not the only team to be sort of doing bits and bobs with the floor. Haas have been doing it too. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how all all the teams are affected by that, and you know, there's all kinds of factors that come into play: tire wear, suspension. It's a really really big change that is going to have an impact on not just on sort of top speed, but on things like car setup for terms of suspension and stuff like that and, and spring stiffness and shock yeah. stiffness, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're going to have a lot of work to do at, um, at Belgium, at Spa to uh, to figure all this out. So don't be surprised to see the front running cars out straight away <laughs> in FP1 to get as much data yeah. as they can. It do feels you guys have as any well, like... opinions on this? I guess the other side to it is like, I don't know if you agree, but it feels to me like if we're going to see poor poising and or bouncing anywhere for the rest of the season, Spa's probably high on the list of tracks you would see it at. So we're kind of going to know straight away if these changes are having the desired effects as well. Yes. Yeah. So from the FIA's perspective, the desired effect is to at least alleviate the majority of the, the poor poison. I don't think they expect to eliminate it completely because yeah. that's just the nature of these cars. There's going to be, there's going to be, and the fact that they've changed the suspension on all the cars as well, that's that's a, a big symptom of why we're getting yeah. the poor Because we're going to um, have this new like metric that they're measuring the bouncing by from this race as well, aren't we? So, yeah. 
we'll see if anyone falls foul of that. Yeah, and a lot of teams will... It is possible to tune it out, but it's not as simple as Christian Horner says, is just raising no. the ride height. Like it's, it's all to do with spring stiffness and vehicle dynamics and all that kind of stuff. It's not just a simple sort of raise the ride height and it'll be fine. That's that's simplistic to put it yeah. that way. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to see. I think like it'd be well worth watching, you know, FP1 and FP2 this week just to see sort of how the teams adjust to it. And qualifying will be really, really, really interesting. And race as well will be interesting because it affects everything, tire wear, all sorts. So yeah, um, it's a cool one. Mm-hmm. The next one is a bit more fun. Can Leclerc and Ferrari bounce back from an abysmal Hungarian Grand Prix um, after a few weeks off? Um, there's a lot of memes flying around on the internet about Ferrari uh, coming into this race weekend with tears in their eyes. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? Do you think they can come back? They. I mean, they should. Yeah, is the simple answer. They've got They'll no excuse to. not to. Yeah, in my opinion, a team of their caliber. Um, and if they don't, they're essentially handing over any title opportunity to somebody else outside of yeah. Ferrari, aren't they? I mean, Ferrari um, have always built cars that go well at Spa. Um, you know, there's been seasons yeah. where they haven't won a single other race, but they've won at Spa and or Monza. <laughs> I think them being good yeah. at Spa is probably a symptom of them trying to win at Monza, if anything. But <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got faith in Ferrari this weekend. Yeah, I think they should do well. I think again, it all depends on. It goes back to this uh, new new um, new metric that they're doing the test for. But it, all, all things being equal, they should have a decent weekend. Yeah. yeah, they also when they collect the tires from Pirelli when it comes to the hards, just be like actually no, you can you just keep hold of those. We'll just take the softs yeah, and mediums. You can keep the rest. We don't want the hards. <laughs> yeah, but then the, the weird thing though is like the hard tire has been like the preferred choice at a it lot of races is, yeah. this season. <laughs> So, like, they're all kind of, like, in a bit of no-man's land every race. Oh, God. So Watch them overcorrect now and be like, oh, we're not going to make the same mistake again. We're not going near we're the hard tyre. softs. Yeah. Everyone else one the- stops onto the hard and they're, like, three stopping on softs immediately. Yeah. Oh, God, don't. Man, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Um, the next storyline is, will the resurgent Carlos Sainz stick more nails into the coffin of Leclerc's title charge? He's been coming back, Carlos Sainz. He's had a, he's had a decent few races. Yeah. He? Does look a lot more comfortable in that car. Um, yeah. Would you like to see him winning races or would you prefer to see Leclerc sort of in front of that team and, I would, and having a proper push for the title? I would love to see Carlos Sainz winning more races. However, <laughs> at this point, Ferrari have to now put everything behind Leclerc. If they want even yeah. the, an outside chance of taking either title, they have to put everything behind Leclerc now. Yeah, Tom. Carlos Sainz is too far adrift. Although as the proud owner of a Carlos Sainz hat for this season, I will mention every opportunity. I would love <laughs> to see him win the rest of the races this season. Absolutely. I'd love to I'd love to see him win some races. Um my, my point about Leclerc's championship sort of coffin getting nails put into it is just if if he takes wins away from Leclerc then obviously that's going to hint that's going to well, help yeah. Stappen isn't yeah, it? They, that, that's my yeah. that's really my point there yeah, yeah. that can't so, happen which is, which is why Chris's point is exactly right that realistically as a team Ferrari have to be making team calls um, exactly 102 points for science behind Verstappen even if he won a couple of races through like after Leclerc's if Leclerc had bad luck say in the next couple of races and was was closer. I think they still need to be mindful of the gap. Is sort of what is it thirty point no twenty or thirty points more for, yeah. than it is for Leclerc. So yeah, something like that. I think the the good news for Leclerc is Ferrari historically have been a one driver team on a <laughs> given race weekend. Yeah. So um, yeah, the odds are in his favour at least on that one. Um, the next one is Mercedes. Um, they'll be looking to continue their decent run of form into the second half of the season. Um, going well at Spa could set them up for a really, really good final running of the season. You know, like if, if they're quick yeah. here, it's one of those tracks with long, long straights where they've really suffered. I think in previous races, if you look at Canada, Azerbaijan, um, Spa is definitely, it's, you know, it's got long old straights. So and it's got um, a really you know the 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 final part of sector three with a really really long straight with a big kink in the middle of it, well the kink bend in the middle of it. That's the sort of corner where Mercedes 
have been struggling with these high speeds and the porpoising. So if you see the Mercedes doing well in the final sector, then you can expect to see them doing well for the rest of the season, I would say. Yeah. At least if they've cracked it. It looks like they've cracked it. These cars in general should be so good at Spa as well. Can't wait. Can't wait. Me neither. It's exciting. Um, The next one is, will all this speculation be for nothing? (laughs) And will we continue to see Verstappen walk his way to a world title? What do you reckon? The part of me that wants it to be exciting and people to keep listening to us says, no, it's going down to the final race. But actually, I think he probably is at this point. Don't tell anyone, but... I mean, it really depends on how Ferrari come out of the gates, doesn't it? Um, yeah. If they're if they're extremely competitive, and and maybe the the whole floor situation actually favours them slightly, and they take advantage of that, it's still very much to play for. But yeah. it is it is very dependent on them setting the tone and the form mm-hmm. early. I would say, like if Verstappen picks up two wins in the next three to four races, I would say it's going to look bleak for Ferrari. Yeah. yeah, and that's, that's not even like... winning all those races. That's just winning some of them. Yeah, I think the one like thing that could maybe sort of help the championship here is it does look like Red Bull have spent a lot of their budget quite early on in the season. Mm-hmm. We were saying at the start yeah, of the season yeah. that you know, they showed up with like loads and loads and loads of modifications to the car, not cheap ones. And um, they've been working really, really hard on making their car lighter as well, which is expensive. Yeah. So yeah. the 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 thing that could catch them out is if if this technical directive does sort of have a, a bad effect on their car, they're going to be trying to develop their way out of it on a very, very tight budget by the looks of it. So that could be the thing that brings this championship back to life with, in terms of Ferrari and Red Bull. I don't know. I don't really know the ins and outs of how much Red but Ferrari have said. There's not been much news about how much Ferrari have spent on their budget this season. Um, yeah. We know Mercedes have been sort of like keeping their powder dry to a degree, but they've got a lot coming still. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, I think that's the, the way to look at it is there right now, you know, on this day, bef- the, the week of the beginning of the race week, there is hope that it could still go to the end of the season. And we could have like a really, really awesome, running but Mm -hmm. until you see what happens in qualifying i guess uh, um, at belgium then we're not really going to get confirmation to that on that until saturday afternoon maybe even sunday afternoon so yeah um speaking of red bull interesting one building things as well i was reading some reports today that red bull are actually um working on a new chassis they actually have a new chassis that's either already or about to go through crash testing such is the weight saving they're trying to do. But I th- the par- well, the kind of theories are that they are building a chassis to save weight now, but also to kind of get ahead of things for next year and just take that chassis mm. into the beginning of next season. But like that is a lot. A new chassis is like a lot of money to be spending yeah. in a budget cap. All um, new tub, that is hectic. Do you wanna do you wanna bold Ugly prediction from me. <laughs> Go on. Go on. I think Red Bull are going to win one or both world titles, but go over the budget cap in the process and have to do some fighting to uh, keep hold of them. I think that's that a real su- possibility. It, it wouldn't Great. surprise me. It wouldn't surprise it's, It'd be the, it, you know, it's kind of the Red Bull way to sort of ask forgiveness, isn't it? Rather than in ask fact, permission, yeah. I guess. In fact, what we'll probably end up with is all of the teams that went over the budget cap say, no, it's fine, they should keep it. And all of the teams that didn't go over the budget cap saying, no. Yeah. yeah it's going to be very dependent yeah. on who else is over the budget cap as well. Could isn't it could be a if, if that messy postseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's try not to worry about that. We've got one more, one more yeah. storyline. <laughs> um, and it's could this really be the last race at Spa? Um, or will there be. <sighs> A deal announced during the Grand Prix weekend, as is usually the case in these. Situations. I really hope so. Like, like we, circuits come and go, and like you know, it's still sad that we don't have either of the German circuits on the calendar. Um, you know, there's there's been circuits in the past that it's been a shame to lose, but like 
Spar is just one of those that always needs to be there. Like Spar, yeah. Monza, Silverstone, to a lesser extent these days, Monaco. Like they should just be untouchable, especially after the circuit spent so much money on improvements as well in the last few years. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I think that's it. I think shame. I think that's the reason why we're not going to lose it. I think there's no way they'd be spending the kind of money that they have been. I mean, fair enough. You know, Spa hosts all kinds of other races anyway, so yeah. it's not like they're desperate. For, I think I think Formula One needs Spa more than Spa mm-hmm. needs Formula One. I would say. Yeah, completely but, um, agree. But at the same time, it probably doesn't hurt Spa having Formula One at all. Either. So <laughs> yeah. It's one of the best. It's every year. It's one of the best races of the season, especially when it actually happens. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I struggle to believe that it's going to be the last one. I reckon all this work that they've put into putting new grandstands in and stuff like that. There's just no way they'd be doing that if they were expecting not to have a Formula One race anymore. Because yeah, you know, that's the but... one that pulls the biggest crowd. That's why you're putting that extra grandstands in so that you can let more Formula One fans in to watch a race on a weekend. But at the same time, all the circuit improvements they've made mean they can now host bike racing again. So if they did lose yeah. F1, they still have just a whole new category of motorsport to come in. I would love to see that happen. Imagine. GP there again. I think Imagine I'm right in saying that. there's going to be a 24-hour... I don't know exactly what... I don't know my motorbike source. I don't know what category, but some kind of 24-hour bike race there in the next few years, which sounds madness. Imagine riding a motorbike up that hill and right, firing right, off right. at the top of it. <laughs> Going light Scary. over the top, having a wobble. Yeah. <laughs> fun, here's another fun thing about the, this circuit, actually. Again, like in reference to Gran Turismo. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I've been going through all the circuit experiences and learning all the circuits. How late does an F1 car break in some of the corners at Spa? Oh, it's yeah. absolutely insane. At the end of the, the straight, the, the main straight at the top after the top of the hill when you're going into that right left hander mm-hmm. in a in the cars sort of in a gt car you're looking at probably about 110 ish meters from from the corner in a formula one car it's like 25 meters yeah. from the corner yeah. and you're trail breaking all the way into it as well it's I, I watched a hamilton lap and compared that to like just in my mind just compared it to how i was doing it in gran turismo and oh my god, the difference is just absolutely mm. bonkers. It's such a stark illustration when you've just done that on the game, and then and, and you know still got the gold. Like I wasn't going slow, um, although you, there's an argument to say the golds are slow in that in that game. Um, <laughs> seeing the difference between that and then a Formula One car do it is just leagues apart, leagues and leagues and leagues apart. Which is obvious because you're doing it in a GT yeah. car compared to an F1 car, but still a GT car is a very 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 fast car. So. Yeah, um, just exciting. It, it kind of reminded me like why Formula One's so awesome because the margins are just all so much finer and there's so much less chance to get things wrong. So yeah, that's your storylines this week. Have you seen the trophies for this weekend? No, I have not. So Filmo, I've got a feeling I'm about to. The <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a link to a picture of it. It's like a wooden. Um, Oh, outline of oh, yeah. the circuit as as lots of yeah. circuits tend to do now um and then there's some like tarmac around the bottom and water inside so the wood for the outline is made from um the branch of a century old oak tree um which grows around the circuit the water inside it is from o rouge itself the actual river that goes underneath o rouge and then the, there's like recovered pieces of tarmac that are from Radion Eau Rouge from like back in the 90s or something. It's like the trophy wow. is basically made of the circuit. And it's that that is pretty cool. Really incredibly cool. cool. That's going to weigh a ton as well with that water in it and that glass. <laughs> yeah. That, which is how a F1 trophy should be. It should weigh a lot. They should be heavy things. Yeah, when you, when you get these like good Heineken sponsored like Perspex ones and they nearly throw it in the air when they lift it. So like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that. really nice wood as well, isn't it? It's gorgeous. I've been watching Big Timber on Netflix, so I know good wood. <laughs> don't, I don't you start on Big Timber. <laughs> that's a separate podcast. <laughs> Talking Timber with Stu. <laughs> I'd actually listen okay. to that. Right. I think it's Should predictions some... time. That's his predictions. Shall we do um, some predictions? Yeah. Okay. Lead us in, Tom. You normally do this. But... Yeah, let's, let's, let's get through this. So it's been a while. 
But um, if you need a reminder, you can head to backofthegrid.com if you want to join in with this. Um, register if you've not joined us before. Sign into your old account if you've been been through all this process before. But we're about to predict five things for this weekend. Starting with the fastest in Q3, followed by a winner, then a first DNF, a number of finishers, and then in a moment, Chris will draw as a random driver to predict the finishing position off. And as said before, join in with it all. And it's worth doing, because if you manage to get all five of those things correct, thou shalt win a prize. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to go through what the, we're it's the, thinking. It's the, Tom, it's the Tom Commandments. <laughs> the Tom Commandments. Yeah, we're going to go through what we're thinking. Um, difficult after summer break with some changes coming, I think. Yeah, it's always definitely. harder when you've got this little bit of a form reset, to so to speak, but we're going to try. Um, who wants to go first, fastest Q3? Who wants to be bold and be the Look first like person? It, ooh. Oh, he's done it. He's, he's, he's done his little straight in. bold dive straight in there. Stu, off the back of that. Oh, it's really difficult, you know. When, you, when, you, when you're a believer like I am, it's, it is very difficult. I think believer in what exactly these days? Just the, the the idea that the idea that Red Bull might not be the quickest this weekend. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what, what 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 do you mean? A believer in what? what I'm just what trying you to think? work. You, you you switch allegiances sometimes depending on who you want to annoy. <laughs> so you tend true. to support the opposite person of who you want whose support you want to annoy. So I'm just trying to work out where you are this week. You think, honestly, you think that there's actually no strategy to that. It's just however I feel on the day. Um, <laughs> it's a, it is a tough one. I, I want to say Verstappen, but I don't think in my hearts of heart of hearts I can, and I, I, I can't really do that when I've been harping on for weeks and weeks and weeks about how much change has come in from this, just from this one smallish change. Um, so I'm gonna sit on the fence. And say Callous Sites. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to do when you were fence sitting. Okay, like it, I'm right? gonna I'm gonna go with like sort of a gut over heart decision, and I'm gonna say Verstappen because it's not really what I want to be happening. But <laughs> meh, I feel like it's it's what might happen. How about winner Stew? From a science pull, can he convert it to a win? I'm going to say... It's a good chance of rain. By the there looks is. of things. Ooh. He's, he's looking like... Fr- there from always what is I remember though. seeing, if the long forecast is to be believed, is Friday would mean dry running for practices, and then into Saturday we would see some rain and then a properly wet race. Is how it's I- looking right now. But that's yeah. always subject to change this far in advance. So, just for perspective, I'm going to go Hamilton. Okay, I like it. And the reason I'm going for Hamilton is because tires. Um, yeah, I think the Mercedes is good on its tires. It, well, we all know the Mercedes is good as it, is good on its tires, and I think the other teams are going to struggle to stay on top of their tire wear because of this because of this regulatory change. So that's that's my logic there. Um, it's 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 vague logic, but there's there's something there though. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it could be, it, there's a lot of factors at play. If it rains, then it's all <laughs> out the window anyway. Hmm. Chris, what about you? I think. Dare you? Dare you tout a McLaren for a win? No, I Nor- don't. Norris is Norris is good round here. He's good in the wet as well. I, I'm I'm going to. For maybe the last time, climb aboard the Ferrari hype train. And I'm going to say Leclerc, and we'll see if I arrive at the station. Okay. I will say, though, if it does rain, I think there's a very good chance Verstappen will be in. But yeah. Yeah. um, I've, I've, I don't know. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling Ferrari are going to come back better after the summer break. Okay. I'm about to say something silly, but I don't care. And I'm going to put Russell in for a win. Maybe on a similar logic to Stu, in a way. But we saw how good he P3 
potential can be here in tricky conditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think if those conditions come, we know it equalizes the cars a little bit. That's always the age old saying that rains an equalizer. I think there's potentially could trouble those front running cars. Yeah. The thing that, that worries me about rain for Mercedes this weekend is tire temperature. I think they'll, mm. if they lose it, it's yeah. going to be on getting the tires warmed up in the first, but it's going to take too long to get heat in that intermediate. Or I think the full wet tire, they'll be okay because there's a lot of movement in the rubber on that anyway, and it'll, it's a different tire. But if, if it's intermediate weather, then I think they'll struggle. I'm actually surprised none of us had Russell for pole, to be honest. It occurred to me, mm. but my heart says Hamilton, so. Okay. First DNF. I'll jump in on this one. I am going to devastate myself by saying Lando Norris. I don't know <sighs> why. I just feel like he's due one and being part Belgian. It's... <laughs> It's my age old. <laughs> yeah. Find someone that's got some tie to the circuit <clears throat> somehow. And that is mine. So Lando Norris, first DNF. Chris? Uh, Perez. Don't know why, Ooh. but Perez. Ooh. And Stu? I think I might go Verstappen, you know. Ooh. I love I think it. MG, um, I think he's due kind of a... He's due a bit of a cock up, isn't Absolutely he? love it. And he, he got one, he, he had a bit of a, he made a bit of a hash of it and got away with it in Hungary. So that car's definitely not, you know, giving him exactly what he needs 100% of the time. Mm. So I'm not saying Verstappen's going to be at fault for the incident. It's saying it could be a reliability thing. It could be, if there's changeable conditions, I just think there's a chance if they're not quite used to that car being the way they've had it over the last few months, then... There's potential there for for um for things to go wrong. I like that you've almost got the trifecta there because you've got Hamilton and Verstappen, but you've got Sainz hmm. rather than Leclerc. You hmm. almost had the. the well, maybe we'll get maybe we'll get Leclerc's random driver unless we've already Haven't had him. We had him. I can't remember if he's in the list anymore. Chris may be able to confirm. Um, we have already had Leclerc last race. Yeah, hungry. So. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, of course. Duh. Huh. Okay, number I remember finishes. that. <laughs> number of finishes for doing the honour of checking that first, Chris. You can go first here because we all know where we roughly tend to go with this. Number of finishes at the Belgian Grand Prix last year was zero because no one started a race. Um, uh, actually, there was a race. <laughs> I think you'll find. Yeah. Depending on who did last year, it was either zero or twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm just going to get jumping first and take 17 because at least one of us always okay. says 17. Stu? 16. Okay. I'm banking on these conditions being a bit treacherous and I'm saying You're 15. You're 15. Whoa! Mm. Oh, Tom. I'm, I'm, taking the, I'm taking the risk at this point that the weather causes problems. I tell you what, I don't mind that race, you know, though, that, that you've got there as your predictions. That's a fun race to watch. I mean, to be fair, yours is... Signs, yeah. signs starting from pole, Hamilton somehow winning it, and Verstappen being out first <laughs> to some degree. That's not a, not a bad race. Mm, I think Chris, Chris is, is probably boring. the most real. It's, it's boring, but it's probably the most realistic. <laughs> nah. <laughs> right. Give us that random goodness, Chris. It's a man in Who need of a result. Danny Ricardo. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> um, don't all fight at once to pick a position for Danny Ricciardo this week. I'm just having a look at his results for the season and trying to let that guide me and it's There's not really helping 11s, 12s I think yeah a um, lot of near but not quite points finishes the, the, yeah I, I would say his average is probably about 11th, 12th, something like that for the season I'm going to say 12th okay Chris, anything? Any advance I'm trying to decide how I think the McLarens are going to be here. Um, I'm just stalling for time now. I think you are, aren't you? They did all right. Yeah, we need a decision from you, Chris. Do you know what? I think they're going to be all right. I'm going to say eighth. Ooh. Oh, that's annoying. That's where I was 
ballparking. Okay, just to be different, I'm going to say ninth. No, I'm going to say ninth, just a bit behind. Just to be different. I'm going to be upset if it's eighth now, but that's that's just life. Mm -hmm. That's just life. Um, Okay, so that is us done. Um, This lovely section of the show and the Predictions League in general is sponsored by Grid Rival, to let you all know. So if you want to join us for Fantasy Formula One, you can do that through Grid Rival. Um, Head to backofthegrid.com forward slash grid rival or just from the website there is a link on there for the fantasy league as well um, so make sure you sign up for that if you have been playing grid rival with us all season then make sure you jump on and check your your driver contracts and your team contracts because it's been a long old three or four weeks without anyone checking them and you might have a slot in your team that you need to fill and so on and so forth so make sure you are checking at those um but yeah head to backofthegrid.com Info for Predictions League and Grid Rival is all on there. Should we some inbox, gentlemen? Yes. Let's. Is. Uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. <laughs> okay. Shall I take the first one? Go for it. Yeah. Um, are they? These are both more or less the same questions, so I'll read two. There's one from Kilowog and another one from Scott Powell. Um, Kilowog says. With rain in the forecast for quali and potentially race day, who do you think stands to benefit and lose out most in the weather? And will another rainy race be just justification to cancel the Belgian Grand Prix? <laughs> and Scott says, fantastic track, but at the wrong time of year. Rain is good, but downpours aren't. Could they have made money and stay on the calendar if it was May-June race? Well, we don't know that they're not on the calendar yet. Yet. That's... Um, I can see what Scott's saying there, but it's one of those sort of places where you could pick any time of the year and there will be a chance it yeah. will just rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it has its own microclimate, as they love to say in the commentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a difficult one, isn't it? Um, like you say, it, no matter yeah. what time of year you go, you tend to get torrential rain at some point. Yeah. The more interesting of those two questions is probably um, the the first one about um, who stands to benefit the most. And I think, I, I, you know what? I really don't know this week. Like, it's really, uh, it's such a break that they've had. And I, yeah, with changes I, afoot, it's, it's really hard to say. I think out of the front, like the, the pointy end teams... Mercedes probably have the most to gain yeah. from weather conditions, mainly because both of their drivers have a track record of being, you know, quite superb for the most part in these kind of those kind of conditions. And the fact of what I mentioned during predictions of like it being a bit of an equalizer, it's it's going to reduce the effectiveness of some of the downforce components and so on, which brings Mercedes mm-hmm. more in touch with the the other cars in general. So I, I think out of that sort of top end of the grid. It's definitely Merck that would have the most to gain. Um, in terms of further down the pack, maybe Aston Martin. I think Aston, or yeah, I was like going to say Aston Martin would maybe They've benefit. They've got two two drivers who are pretty decent in the wet Aston Martin, so yeah. I think it'd be good for them. Um, I mean, in terms of drivers that would lose, like ultimately the drivers that don't want it to rain are the ones in the fastest car under normal dry conditions. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure the Ferraris and Red Bulls will be fine without some rain. Um, but of those front-running guys, I would say Verstappen would probably be the one who would most welcome it because, as we know, he is exceptionally good in the wet. Yeah. Nice. Next one. Uh, next question from Serdafield. Do you guys really think the Flexi Floor technical directive is going to impact Red Bull and Ferrari so badly? I get the impression from you guys that it's doom and gloom for Red Bull, but I don't see it being that big of a deal. Am I just way off base? I wouldn't say doom and gloom for them, but I think it'll have an impact. I just think it'll it'll knock them off balance somewhat because mm. because of like the the factors involved in you know suspension. The, the the other things that you have to do to make up for the fact that your floor is 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 different, or your or, or the way you mount the plank is different, and the the different sort of amounts of movement you need to allow for 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 the car to get through the tests at the end of the race. You know, it's good. There's no way they've, they've said themselves that they're going to have to make changes. And if when you've got to make changes during during a budget cap era, and you've already made a lot of changes to your car to make it lighter, I think 
it will have an impact. How much of that impact is, we don't know yet, which is why it's so difficult to make predictions and so difficult to to sort of consider. But and mm-hmm. we'll only know that you know come Saturday and Sunday during the race. But I wouldn't say it's quite doom and gloom, but it's definitely going to slow him down. I've, I've I've no doubt it'll slow him down. How much is is the is the real question? Yeah, I, I'm sort of with you. I don't. I, I think the reason that we we assume that they'll be the most affected is because they've been the one that's already dealt with the poor poison issues from early in the season the best since day one which would indicate something is obviously helping them in that scenario that might now be compromised in some way or may need to change because of these technical directive changes ferrari was sort of somewhere in the middle that were they were still bouncing around but fast so in theory it would affect like that that's the logic i guess that maybe Cedafid's picked up on is the fact that we think it might affect Red Bull more because they're the ones that are least affected by poor poison currently and this change could bring them back into the grasp of the other teams. Ferrari less so because they were still bouncing, just dealing with it better than other teams. So, yeah, I think that sort of sums up generally our stance on it and why yeah i mean i so i was i missed a lot of the discussion you guys had on this stuff because it was a couple of weeks i was off if anything i'm kind of starting to think it might all end up being a bit of a storm in a teacup and actually won't have Mm. as big a impact as a lot of the people that didn't want the changes have said but yeah yeah, we'll, we'll I, find out soon enough, I suppose. I, me and Stu had a similar discussion one of those weeks we were away, I think, that yeah. we, we sort of, at the more and more we looked into it, the less and less we thought it was going to affect the teams, didn't we? we well, we think it's going to affect them less than we initially did, I think, between us, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I just think given that Mercedes are getting up, finally getting on top of their car, mm. Ferrari have do have the fa- the fastest car, and just aren't able to use it. The idea of slowing Red Bull down is obviously going to be, you know, Red Bull are the last team. I mean, none of them want to get slowed down, but I think Red Bull being slowed down would have more of an effect on their position than what it would have done, you know, five or six races ago. And it will affect them more than it would Ferrari because Ferrari have the fastest car. There's probably a bit of margin between them and Red Bull anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, it's just going to bring some convergence between those top three teams. How much convergence? Again, we don't know. We don't. We won't know until until Saturday. So and even then, you might get into the race and you might find that suddenly the Red Bull is amazing on its tires because they've had to change yeah. the suspension setup. Yeah. So yeah, like it's it, that that I think it's that kind of thing that <laughs> it's just. There's so many unknowns to it that it's hard to say who it will affect or benefit the most. It could be that it slows Mercedes down, yeah. <laughs> you know, like Hey, never know, do you? <laughs> yeah. So Okay, last one for this week. Uh Jamal says if you had your own choice to pick any six Grand Prix for the twenty twenty three sprint race selection, which six would it be and why? Uh Jamal's personal ones would be Bahrain as a season opener, Imola, uh double the chance of work conditions on a or circuit. Uh, Baku could be exciting as a one-off. France, because it's bad anyway. Spa, <laughs> and then Brazil. Um, I'm going to be miserable and say none. I don't want sprint races. Get them uh, out of my life. I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do the opposite <laughs> of Stu and just say, why stop at six? Why not have one every weekend? Yeah. All of them. And do it properly. <laughs> do reverse grid ones. <laughs> then it'll be fun. I'm going to do it properly and pick six. Um... <laughs> I agree with Bahrain. I think that would work well. Um, Silverstone, I think would be good. Monza makes sense. Uh, Brazil, I think, makes sense. Red Bull rings seem to work pretty well. Um, yeah, I've liked the three ones we've done in Red Bull. And you know what? Last one for a wild card, Las Vegas. Yeah, even though, even though we don't know what it'd be like. Yeah, just why not? But, All yeah, in. I think... I, I, think I'm not going to be saying much different to you. Red Bull Ring, Brazil, um, uh, 
a sh- no a shorter race at Baku maybe that's got suggested. Maybe. Be interesting yeah. to see what a short sprint race at Australia would look like on that new circuit with. <laughs> yeah, actually. Maybe. Um. And then I don't know where else. I. Ooh, I like I like that idea. I would say. God, six. Six is so many as well, isn't it? I know. Um, I would go... Monaco. (laughs) Banter. Um, Why not? Uh, Then... Hungary. Six most processional you can find. Yeah, Monaco, (laughs) Hungary, (laughs) Singapore... Um, I knew you were gonna, as soon as you said Monaco, I knew you were going to troll. Netherlands. <laughs> oh, God, no. Abu Dhabi. Is that six? Did I do six? I've got one more. Uh, I don't know. You've done enough to trigger everyone, though. So that's <laughs> good. good. You absolute <laughs> troll. Um, and on that note, I think that brings us to the end this week. So uh, thanks, as always, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thanks to everyone on Discord that's joined us live. If you want to find out how you can get involved with that, go to patreon.com slash backthegrid. You can find out all the details. You can also get in touch with us in all the usual places, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for us and you'll find us. Uh, backthegrid.com is where you can enter the Prediction League and find all the links to um, various fancy leagues and stuff. As always, you have until the beginning of Q1 to get your predictions in. So much longer than we do, which is the excuse we will use for not doing very well. But that'll be it this week. So thanks again for joining us. We'll be back in a week's time to review what will hopefully be a full-length Belgian Grand Prix. So until then, goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. He sounds like a man who hates F1, (laughs) but really he just wants to watch the world burn.